You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. The nail in the coffin. All right, welcome to The Nail in the Coffin. Trev is away on a little bit of family business, but uh, I'm Tom Valentino, joined tonight uh, by my old friend from the News Herald, John Kaff. John, how are you doing, man? It's been a long time. It has been. Great to see you again, Tom. So, hey, we, uh, we've got a high school football season coming up uh, starting this weekend. We were not sure that that was going to be happening. Um, we don't know how long it's going to go for. Hopefully, we can get through a whole year, but... Uh, I guess the best place to start is to just ask you this, given that the Mac and the Big Ten closed up shop on football for the uh, for the fall here, are you surprised that Ohio's going through with high school football? Yeah, I think I am a little bit, but I also know that this is a direction they really wanted to go when they were going to give it a shot, and they are going to do everything they could. When I say they, I'm talking about the Ohio Department of Health, Governor Mike Dwayne's office, and the OHSAA. They were going to do everything they could to give it a shot. And um, that doesn't mean that we're going to make it all the way through. I think that we're still kind of hanging in the balance here because all it's going to take is some pretty uh, a pop-up here, a pop-up there. And um, I think that, you know, where we start right now, the schedules that we have typed into the system going into August 28th, that's very fluid. That's That could change week to week, day to day. And just in the past 24 hours, we've seen – uh, strongest will cancel a game with Benedictine because of a COVID uh, incident. And then um, Benedictine picks it up born hurting. I think it's going to be potentially that all year where you're going to see the ebbs and flows of teams having to back off a little bit because they had something positive and uh, pick up other teams um, who might be open as well. Um, yeah, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think it's great that we're giving a shot. These kids, these coaches, these trainers, administrators, They've really done everything that's been asked of them. It's just going to be a matter of now of holding on to the sides of the boat and hoping it doesn't roll over on us. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy. And, you know, I, I think Trav and I were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, just like with what you've seen with Major League Baseball and how they've kind of had to adjust on the fly with so many things. And, you know, the schedule becomes kind of this living document. And, you know, it, things are going to kind of evolve as as we go along here. Um so, so the, the format here is a little different, right? They're not playing as many games in the regular season, but then everybody makes the playoffs. Is that how this works now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a six-game regular season, and uh, all contracts previous are null and void. So you just – a lot of these conferences, what they've tried to do is stick with their conference schedules with some variance where you don't have to do that if it doesn't fit your schedule. And then uh, everybody makes the playoffs. You can opt out of the playoffs and just schedule other regular season games. But if you want to, everybody gets in the playoffs. In a couple weeks, they will seed teams, much like they do baseball and softball, where they will just vote on it, kind of like it's a, it's like a seeding meeting, like you would have in basketball. It's not necessarily by computer, where it's not computer points. The computer, the hardware system is not being used this year. 
Mm. And um, if you happen to lose in the first round of the playoffs, you're more than free to go and find somebody else and maybe play a few more games as long as everything's done. I think by November 21st is a day everything's got to be done by. So, like I said, we are off script. We are you – know, it's, it's a very volatile, fluid situation as far as your schedules go and as far as season goes. We'll see how it goes, but I think the everybody involved, the OHSCA, the governor's office, and uh, the OHSCA, Dwine, everybody's done a, the best they can to give it a shot. We'll see if it works. Yeah, and, and you know, the one thing that's – I think a little different when you're talking about the high school level is you know, a lot of these kids, they might not be playing in college. They, you know, very, very, very few of them are ever going to, you know, see professional uh, ball uh, years down the road. So like you've got families where, you know, they've probably been involved with football or, or whatever their sport is since those kids were five or six years old. And you think about how, you know, they were probably doing camps and equipment, you know, purchases and travel leagues and, you know, everything building up to it. You know, I, on the one hand, I've erred on the, the side of caution on a lot of this stuff over the last few months, but you can certainly understand why the families that are involved with, with these programs are probably trying to, you know, find any way possible to, to make a season a reality. Sure. And, and, they are. They're going to do everything they can, but there's still that volatility point where, yeah, kids, teenagers, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids aren't as susceptible to it, but potentially, worst-case scenario, coaches are older, so they're more susceptible. The game officials are more susceptible. The guys running the chains, the guy or the people that are running the tables, maybe volleyball matches. Um, and then you've got the possibility of a kid taking it home to mom and dad or grandma and grandpa and then, then that that's a whole other dynamic that, that I, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that is a worst-case scenario that um, that does come into play. And, uh, you know, I think that that's why they're going to treat this with a very short leash, that uh, they're going to try to make sure that it goes right. A million provisions are being taken here. And like I said before, I, I hope that it works, but, you know, I think it's going to be a short leash. Yeah, I saw there was a bunch of guidelines that were put out, I think, today by the OHSAA that were kind of crazy, like – Visiting teams can't even use a locker room. Um, what was the other one? I, I like the official, like the game officials can't even like hold on to the game ball, right? Aren't, aren't they like spotting yeah. it with like a little orange beanbag? Like a beanbag. <laughs> I saw that at scrimmages this week. And, and, that, and actually, it was no, there was no problem at all. They put the beanbag down where it was, and the center took the ball back to the huddle with them. Well, there are times at the center. You can leave it right there. And as soon as wherever puts the beanbag down, if you want to put your football down there and go to your huddle, you can do that, which a, a few teams did. I saw three scrimmages this week. And I tell you what, Tom, I was pleasantly surprised how everything was handled as far as um, like over at the Kirtland scrimmage, they were on their back practice field. They had those like little discs and they put, they placed those six yards apart in two different lines. And that's where the players were allowed to stand. And um, it, it was it was handled very very well as far as it did. Coaches were were, mer- were wearing masks, and when the kids came out, if they were not in the game at the time, they put the masks on. I you know, it was a scrimmage, but I think it was a really good bench run that these schools wanted to see how things might run on a Friday night. Well, that's encouraging. Um, definitely good to hear. Are there any schools or conferences around here that have opted out of the fall, or is everybody in for now? As far as the News Herald area goes, the only team right now that is not starting, and they've got a meeting tonight to see how or when they might proceed, is Beachwood. 
but there's a number of other teams, a lot of them Cuyahoga County, that the News Herald does not cover. Um, I, the OHSA sent out a list today, and I think there's 60 schools throughout the state of Ohio who are either starting late or they have opted out. So at, out of ballpark 805 schools, only 60 of them have opted out in one way or another. So most, most of them are playing, but I think you're going to see it in the Cuyahoga County, Summit County area, maybe some downtown Columbus schools that, um, that there will be delayed or not play. So how is this going to work for you? Like, I, I know I've seen some of the reporters who are covering the Browns have remarked about how training camp for covering the Browns is really different. But, like, how is your job covering, uh, like, you know, a high school scrimmage or what you're going to be seeing this weekend, actual regular season games? How is that going to look different mechanically? Uh, you know, we got a lot of those directives today where we're going to be allowed to be on the sideline with masks on or in the press box distanced accordingly in the press box. We have to be away from that coaching or away from the box, which now has been extended from the 10 yard line to the 10 yard line. Now, Grant, if you're going to a smaller school, they might not be spread out from 10 to 10. Uh, they might not have that many players, but when you get around like a mentor type of thing, absolutely. You know, we'll probably be from the 10 yard line and in and all the way through the end zone. And we'll have to stay at least, I think it's six, 10 yards back behind the team if we're going to go to the other end of the field. So, yeah, we are we are distance as well. And I totally understand that. You know, they've given us the guidelines of how we're supposed to do our job. And, yeah, and we'll adjust. You know, um, that's that's part of the uh, the job. I know, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed to be doing this too. I mean, I know that, you know, we sometimes get a little bit of guff because we are reporting some things that are going on as far as numbers and as far as the danger or the bad news that's coming on around this but when you're a sports writer, this is our livelihood. When we, we, we would like a season two, but it's got to be handled the right way. I mean, I think all of us sports writers are going to go in there with our eyes wide open. We're going to have you know, our masks on. We're not going to be shaking hands. It'll be, it'll be different for us, but it's doable. Yeah, I've always found it strange, and I don't want to get off on a political tangent here, but the why are you like cheering for a season to get canceled? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like I, I, I worked in that newsroom with you. There's a financial incentive for a season to go on here. Like You guys want sure. to see games as much as anybody. Right, but, but in the same with respect, we don't want to put anybody in danger. Of course. You know, I live next door. I live next door to my 77-year-old father, my 75-year-old stepmother, and well, I mean, we see each other, we're separated by my driveway. So, yeah, I see them. The last thing I want to do is bring something home. So, you know, I'm being careful as well. I mean, you, you just have to. That's just being vigilant, being smart. And uh, like I said, everybody's got to do their part to make this work because all it's going to take is for somebody to get a little bit careless and um, Lord knows where it's going to spread to because, I mean, you've, see, you've seen cases around the United States where – one, it could be traced back to one person or a group of people, and it just blossoms from there. So we all have to do our part to get through this. Yeah, it's a, it's a high-wire act. Um, what was the spring like for you? Because, like, normally you'd be covering, what, softball, uh, maybe some yeah. track, and, you know, that all went away. So has it been kind of weird getting back into the swing of things here with the fall sports picking up? It has been weird, but it's been such a blessing. I mean – when I went out to the first day of practice on August 1st, I mean, I was excited about it. And it was an excitement that maybe I took for granted a little bit. You know, when you've been around the business, I'm 51 now. When you've been around the business for a long time, you kind of just get used to the routine and you might be like, ah, you know, first day of practice. Oh, gosh, let me get a cup of coffee. That's not. No, it was different. I really enjoyed it being out. 
and getting to see these kids and stuff. And um, so the last couple weeks have been a blast for me. It was kind of like being reborn again in a way. The spring was weird because I'm so used to working on the News Herald Senior Bowl and on um, high school uh, softball, Ohio State spring practice. So, yeah, I found myself doing feature stories. I was able to clear out a lot of feature stories that I've been sitting on for a while. Just trying, you know, just trying to find those stories because we still have a paper to put out. God love the News Herald and um, the Digital First Media for, you know, sticking with us and say, hey, you know, we're going to have this product. I've seen some newspapers go down to three or four days a week, and we, you know, still had a you know, three or four page sports section every day. So, um, yeah, we, it's just one of those things with creativity. You just find those stories. Yeah. Um, well, now you've got plenty to write about here in the fall. Some of the more traditional topics of, you know, actual games and and things like that. Let's uh, let's talk about this season. Um, what are some of the big storylines that uh, you know have got you excited for this year? Beyond just the fact that hey, we have football. That's obviously a big one. But you know, now that we're we're getting going here, what uh, what do we need to know about? Well, I think right off the bat, you think about them, the Mentor Cardinals under new tutelage this year. You know, Matt Gray has been a um, assistant coach there since 2011, and he takes over for Coach Trevisano, Steve Trevisano, who's um, now moved down closer to his family in Columbus, and he's the uh, offensive coordinator down at Hilliard Gravity High School. But Coach Gray and I talked, we've got a story going in the, news, in the uh, football section later on this week, where back in 2010, he was a freshman coach at Willoughby South. And he and and South was playing a mentor. That's back when Kareem Hunt wasn't good enough to be their starting running back, believe it or not. Dominique huh. Darling was their starting quarterback, starting running back, and Kareem only played defense. But um, but uh, you know he he was a, the our freshman coach then. He's like, wow, this is. I mean, it was packed. It was a 48-47 game. Mentor won, and uh, he goes, man, this is really what high school's football is all about. And here we are, ten years later, and he's um a thirty-three-year-old head coach taking over for. Steve Trevisano. So that's a that's an exciting one, you know, and I know that he's real excited to get guard and get his uh, first game under his belt on Friday night. Kirtland, am I to oh, assume yeah. that they're, they're going to – the machine yeah. rolls on over there? Yeah, yeah, there's some people that feel this is the best team they've had, and oh, I'm boy. not going to argue against it because you look at it, um, they've won 30 games in a row. They haven't lost a regular season game since Cuyahoga Heights in 2016. Um, they've got – a uh, total of 13 starters back, offense and defense. Um, one interesting point, they've won five state championships, but they've never had the same quarterback, fullback, and tailback win a state championship. This is their chance to do it. They've got uh, Liam Powers back at quarterback. They've got Anthony DeMarco back at fullback. And they have uh, Mason Sullivan, a two-time all first-team All-Ohio win at uh, fullback, uh, running back position. So they've got the guys to do it. They've got a gigantic offensive line that uh, well, I should say not I should say gigantic because gigantic was a couple of years ago when they had were six seven three ten and stuff but uh, but they got a big strong offensive line and they've got so much going for them and we'll see how they do you know I they, they just picked up Lake Catholic to open their season and I hear that it's in the works right now that they might have might be playing Perry in week three so it's um there's a lot of things that are on the board right now and it's gonna really be a fun year for the Hornets uh, I, that's Robbie on Friday night over. JTO for the uh, Lake Catholic game, and another another one. You, um, you and I talked about this off camera. Uh, Forty years ago, Bob Doyle brought the Delaware Wing T to the Chardon Hilltoppers, and it totally changed that program forever. Uh, he talked about having a twenty nine game losing streak. 
Um, they beat Newberry six to nothing. Nothing against Newberry. Love that school, and I feel so bad that they've closed. But um, they beat Newberry six to nothing on a pick six. And um, a handful of years later, they were playing St. Ed's, and they played Euclid with Tony Fisher. And Euclid with Tony Fisher only had the ball for eight plays in the second half. So it re really revolutionized what Chardon football is. And while it has morphed over the years with different formations and things, it's still what they hang their head on is that base wing T offense. So I mean, that's a really exciting, uh, you know, what they've got going because this is a loaded Chardon team too. That uh, that wing T offense at Chardon, it is good old fashioned Chardon Hilltopper football. I, it was probably ten years ago that you and I were working together, and we, we were talking about it then, and it had been around forever at that point. So uh, yeah, it's <laughs> if, if it works, man, you just keep rolling with it. That's that's great. Um, any, uh, any individual players that we need to know about? Any names that uh, we should be looking for this year? Anybody who's already committed to uh, any big college programs for next year? Yeah, you know, we've got a couple of them. That are, well, more than a couple. It's, it's an exciting year. We've got a great talent pool in the News Herald area. You know, start Division One. Ian Kipp, the quarterback from the Mentor Cardinals. He was the co-offensive player of the year in Division One in the state of Ohio last year. So he, he will lead that offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you've got Brennan Vernon, the big 6'5", 250-pound defensive end, only a sophomore who just picked up an offer from Ohio State. So, I mean, the, the, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. You know, it's good. I think that they're going to have a really good year. I mean, ranked right behind them in the New Herald top of the crop is the Euclid Panthers, and they've got a handful of Division One uh, recruits already. Atiba Fitz, love that young man. He's um, going to be going to the Air Force Academy to further his education, serve our country, and play football. Uh, Clay Sean Ivory, a very good underclassman wide receiver. Yeah, he's going to be going to um, uh, Kentucky. Uh, they, they, they just, they've got talent. And, um, you know, Coach Rotsky just does a great job over there. I respect what he does so, so much. Jalen Anderson, the running back from the Perry Pirates. Um, he's verbal to the uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. He's a multi-time All-Ohioan. And I've got a fun story going in on him this week in the football section as well, where his father told me that when he was two years old, he was so bow-legged that um, they went to an orthopedic specialist that recommended that they have his legs broken and um, reset. And he was like, don't break my baby's legs. And he said, you know, we're going to pray over this. We're going to leave in God's hands, but I don't want him. I don't want this to go wrong. You know, you break the legs and he never recovers from it. And look what Jalen's done. I mean, you just can't be more proud of that young man to overcome something like that and uh, do what he's done to get a division one scholarship to the uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. Mason Sullivan um, and the Kirtland Hornets, you know, they are what they are. They do so many good things. I mean, I and I uh, and he's going to have another really, really good year. I I really like the uh, the two big offensive linemen at, at um, East Lake North. My goodness, Ethan Spoff, six five three fifteen, Ryan Bear, six seven three twenty, and they put those two guys right next to each other, and that's just road grader material right there. But that's just I mean, that's just a smidge. I mean, Michael Huss, love that kid, a four year starting quarterback at the Mayfield Wildcats. You know, I could go on and on. But, boy, we've got some individuals and some great young men. You know, I've gotten the chance to go out and cover these kids over the years. And it's so, you know, they ask how you're doing, and they genuinely care what their answer is. So, you know, um, we've got good young men around there, and I think that goes back to their coaching and their parents at home. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before about uh, if there would be any teams opting out. Have you heard anything? Are there any players individually that have uh, decided to set out the season where their school's still moving forward with playing? Not, not that I know of. If they are, 
they are no one has told me about them and if they are i mean i'm not sure there might be um some younger level kids or some other classmen but uh no coaches said oh man we lost this kid i have not been told that i'm not saying it hasn't happened but i know that no coaches told me that yet okay what an interesting season this is uh I, i'm i'm looking forward to getting it getting things going here a little nervous but uh you know i think it goes without saying what high school football means to you know the news herald obviously and just northeast ohio in general it's it's a good time of the year yeah and, and you know Mitch Shua brought up a really good point when i talked to him but he's a shirt and head football coach he said you know whoever wins the state championship this year is going to be the most the deepest most emotionally strong cohesive team maybe that we have ever seen because of everything they've had to go through that um you know if someone happens to go out for a couple of weeks because of COVID, you have to have somebody step in. He goes, it's, it's just going to really show how strong and how great these kids are. And I think that's the way it is across the board. If we get through this season, I don't think it's going to go as planned. I think we're going to have some cancellations or some um, schedule readjustments. But if we get through the season, we crown seven state champions. They're not going to be the only champions here. There's going to be a ton of kids. Every kid, coach, trainer administrator to help make this happen their biggest victory is going to be over COVID-19 that they were able to finish this maybe not even a specific game but they but they stuck with this and they found a way to do it when that virus said that you can't yeah and I you know I think you can include the teachers in that group too absolutely you know. absolutely yes yeah um well uh here's hoping it uh it, it goes um John, it's been good catching up with you, man. Uh, glad to see you're doing well. Uh, always like hearing from you. And, um, you know, everybody listening, uh, obviously I would encourage all of you to uh, check out the News Herald. You said uh, before we started recording, you were, John, you were saying that uh, the preview stories are already starting to run on the website, right? And then in print, it goes Thursday? Yes, yeah, so it'll be on the 27th. We have a 32-page section coming out, and it's going to have capsules on all of the News Herald area teams. It's going to have feature stories predictions uh, it's going to have you know, photos on a website we'll have links to uh interviews there i mean we, we just we hit it as hard as we can because i mean this is our super bowl this is it's exciting and i mean you've been with us before you know how this goes it's, sure. a, it's a labor of wealth and um when the excitement and fun leaves it's probably time to get out of this business and i, mean, I still enjoy it well, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the season. Looking forward to seeing uh, the picks. Hopefully that uh, that masked Marvel, whoever he is, can get his act together. I notice you guys have been uh, drubbing him in the standings, picking uh, all the winners for all these games the last few years. Yeah, yeah, it's fun because you know that's one of the things, and it's funny how it goes. I mean, uh, you, you used to work in New Orleans, so you know how this goes. They, you know, you you pick a certain game, and everybody thinks that you're rooting against them. <laughs> It's like, nah, that's not it. But it's a lot of fun. It drum, drums up a lot of uh, interest. And, you know, we've got great people we work with. And, you know, you over the years, you know, working with you, it's been a pleasure. And uh, you do a great job, buddy. Thanks, man. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. John, thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, it was a real pleasure being part of your show. Tell Travis I said hello and congratulations on his newborn. All right. Will do. And as a reminder, you can subscribe to the nail in the coffin on Apple podcasts. We're also on Spotify, Google podcasts, tune in and stitcher, and you can stream us on uh, waitingfornextyear.com as well. Our thanks again to John camp from the news Herald. We'll talk to you again soon.
Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!